Is that an okay, like, you're full of shit, Bob, okay? Or is that an okay? That's always my frame of reference. (laughs) (laughs) At least you're honest. (laughs) And the feeling is mutual. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. Take that. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. How are you all doing? Not only are you Bob Galen, you're feisty Bob Galen. I'm feisty Bob Galen today, but if you've ever watched the Metacast, watched, listened to the Metacast, God help you if you ever watched us. <laughs> uh, but uh, I poop out fast, as Josh tells me. So I'm loud in the beginning, and then I'm soft at the end. He does. He gets into agile coaching Bob voice. It's coach- coaching. <clears throat> he comes down and Wax on, yes. wax off, Daniel son. But Bob walked in the room today firing on all cylinders. I did. Literally firing. I hit it. I, I, I challenged Josh on his football history. What did else? I mean, I went right to the core. You were attacking me with finger guns. I was attacking you. You were Dirty I sh- Harry. I was Dirty Harry. I yeah. was shooting you. You were quoting I was Clint qu- Eastwood. I was quoting <laughs> Clint Eastwood, man. Not just that. I was ready to go. I was like, if God help me if I'd end a pistol. I know. That's I'd what I was like, worried about. Oh, Security man. in this oh, building oh, needs oh, to be ramped up. It needs to be ramped up. Let me tell you. <laughs> definitely needs to be some profiling I, on Bob. Uh, yeah. It won't take long. I'm like one question. Are you nuts? Yes. Okay. We're not letting you in. There's that pro. That's a quick profile. That, yeah. That'd there be, you go. Done. That's a quick check. Josh, what are we talking about today? The death of Agile. It's over. We're done. The podcast uh, is over. Uh, we're done. Shut it down. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to stick the fork in the Metacast. We would like a moment of silence. That's about it. <laughs> exactly. With you in the room, that's <laughs> oh, oh, nicely done. Oh, you timed that. that. The timing of that wasn't bad either. And you just lobbed it up there like a beach I ball. Did, I did. I yeah. did. I didn't intentionally do it, but you smacked it back in my face. Nice. So, ladies and gentlemen, and I've been seeing uh, the inspiration for this is I've seen on LinkedIn. So, uh, Twitter and LinkedIn, I just see a lot of stuff going by mm-hmm. uh, every day. And someone was talking about, you know, and a lot of people have been talking about, is Agile dead? Um, I read an article by, who was it? Um, One of the pragmatic programmers. Mm -hmm. There's Andy Hunt and there's um, another gentleman in in Texas. Gosh, I'm blanking on his name. But he did a post and he was was sort of ranting about, um, and we've talked lightly about this before, that we've lost the technology. We've lost the roots of Agile. And that's where, where Agile is dead. Mm-hmm. So so a part of the Agile is dead conversation is we've lost the roots. Um, I attended a, a, a talk, a keynote talk a couple weeks ago in Denver. I don't know if we talked about this. Um, but Michael Feathers, if you've ever heard of Michael Feathers, he, he's written a good book on, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Handling Technical Debt in Code mm-hmm. or Refactoring Code. Uh, and he's just well-respected. In the community, uh, he worked for ThoughtWorks years ago. Now he's independent, uh, but he did the keynote, and and one of the things he did in the introduction of the keynote is he talked about agile conferences, and he asked the audience. So this was agile, actually Mahali Agile, 
there were over 800 people there. There was somewhere between 800 and 9. It was a local Agile conference. Mm -hmm. And let's say 900 people were there. And he's like, how many people code out in the audience? Uh, and it was maybe less, you know, it was like 20% or less. Right. Um, and he was, and, and that was his point. It, and I'm probably being generous. It was probably 20, 10% or less. Right. There were very few developers. Uh, there were very few architects. There was a load of scrum masters and project managers and managers and BAs and testers. But there was very few um, developers. And he's like, what the hell's going on? Right. Right. Uh, and he said, "What?" And then he showed code actually on, on the screen. He he showed. He's like, "Okay, now." He's like, "I've got code, but this is not the right audience." Well, yeah. He said, "Let me show you something." And he, and he showed some code, and it was like, "How many of you really are enjoying yourselves right now?" And they were leaving less hands. I think. Right. right? It was like, but he said, "This is this is agile." Looking at code is agile. Mm -hmm. And then for the next hour or so, he, he sort of lamented, what the hell's going on? React to that, Josh. What do you what do So you there's think? two things that are kind of going to sound opposite. My initial counterpoint, which I'll get to next, um, we'll get there. But I've seen that same trend. The conferences I've gotten the most value out of of late have been technical conferences, engineer focused conferences that has an agile track. I've had less success with agile conferences that maybe have a technical track because the agile conferences do have, um, it's like we're covering the basics, right? You don't get to, these are the hard parts. It's here's how you do it. It's agile 101. It's things that should be covered elsewhere. However, the technical conferences that have an agile track, they tend to tackle the big, hairy, scary, hard stuff that when you get past, when you get out of the shoe stage and maybe even in the restage, right? The, the, these are the problems we've had. Here's how we solve them. Right. Atlassian and their summit was great. They talked about, they didn't talk about agile. They talked about how they built software and they do it in an agile manner. It's almost like they didn't say the word agile. But everything they do is in an agile manner. So they said, this is the problem we have. Here's how we solved it. And if you peel back the layers, oh, that's agile. Right? It's the same so, thing. So that's what Dave and the guy, I forgot his name, is Dave Thomas. He's a partner with Andy in Pragmatic Bookshelf. Mm -hmm. And that, that's what he was sort of saying. Uh, and there's even this movement that, that Andy Hunt, it's called GROWS, the GROWS method. Right. And it's talking about, don't talk about agile. Don't talk about scrum. Talk about how you're... Uh, Agilely building software, mm -hmm. right? Talk about how you're doing it in products, and and that's the trend, and uh, that's the dead. I mean, and that was the essence of agile. Uh, I don't know. So in the late '90s, how, where, what were you doing? Just starting. Just starting. Mm -hmm. So so did you? When did you get that agile bug? I'm not picking. You're giving me that look like no, I'm, no, no. I'm not setting you up. I'm just trying to understand. So did, did you experience the early days of it? Um, I found agile. I grew up in the waterfall world. Okay. So my, so my first job was we got to build this project, write this design document. That's a bazillion pages and we're going to march down the path and build exactly what we put at the docks. Um, second job was at a startup and it was loosier, goosier, and just kind of gave me some different ideas of how software could be built without the rigid framework of waterfall. Right. Then my third job was 
in a smaller shop, but my boss at the time came from Ernst and Young. So process was a thing, right? Um, the boss ended up moving on and I kind of was given the reins of, okay, you own software, make it happen. And we just got frustrated with the process. So we started tweaking and changing things and we began to iterate on what was a backlog. We didn't know it was a backlog. We brought the stakeholders in to prioritize so the work. So you sort of back, backed into Agile. Yeah, we we backed into it. We started doing this process, and it kind of worked for us. So circa what year, like 2005, 2008, somewhere in there, do you think? 2002 or three. So that's early. Yeah, right? and, and the only reason we knew it was Agile was a developer sent me an email and said, hey, there's this thing called Agile, and I think we're doing it. And that helped us turn the crank faster. Because it gave you some ideas, a collection of ideas. Right, and there and was a community, and there were other people doing it. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, look yeah. how they're doing that. So we started to really get better at it. Yeah. And then when I came to Teradata in 2008, that's when was the next growth okay. All right. point. I mean, that early, the early days is what, and, and, and we're not looking back on it. Sometimes people look at you as a dinosaur. You're thinking back. You know, during the 50s, mom and pa and apple pie was it, and it's no longer there. So you're reminiscing. You're mm -hmm. like this dinosaur reminiscing. And that's not what people are doing. The core of Agile was captured in the beginning. Um, Scrum. Scrum was created in 93. Uh, the Scrum master was not, or the product owner even, was not the key participants in early Scrum. It was always the freaking team. Right. Right. It was always about you got these bright people called programmers. You have these bright people called testers or whatever. Mm -hmm. You form a, a co-located team and you need to sort of feed them. You need to listen to them. Whatever you tell them to do, need, they need they can't blink their eyes and not get it. You know what I'm saying? They need to, like, buy it. So you need vision and things. But it wasn't about... You know, today, even in my teaching, I, I emphasize product owner as driving, and they do, mm -hmm. but you don't drive it through the team. You drive it with the team. It was always about the team. It was always about code. It was always about technology, if I'm making sense. Right. right. It was always – that's like the working code thing. It was a set of technologists that were trying to find a better way to yeah. do software development. And their passion around that. And you freaking listen to them. I think that's the thing that's getting dead is people, they don't really listen. Let's pick an example, technical debt. Mm -hmm. How often do the teams bring up technical debt and then and then everyone around them poo-poos it, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone around them doesn't support it. Uh, and, and they feel like they have to justify it and justify it. And then it, they can't. Oh, it doesn't have business implications. Well, in the early days of Agile, if the team brought up technical debt, unless they said, you know, we have to refactor the entire freaking system. Right. right? And even then you listened. You listened to them, and you gave them this. Often, you gave them the space. You didn't, you know, you didn't have death by a thousand challenging questions. Mm -hmm. You're like, you know, I, these are my programmers. These these folks are in the code. They know. You gave them the space and trust. Right, but I think if you look at the attendees at the Agile conference that you saw, it's the top-down methodology trying to figure out how to make that work for them. It's the project managers that are used to saying, "Do this." Here's the order. Here's the schedule. And Agile is the opposite. So it's everyone that has had their approach and mentality challenged by the world of Agile that's trying to get a grip on it and trying to I would agree. figure out how they fit and how it works. But I also think they're discounting the people. Right. Because it's from their perspective and their history, it's their job Correct. to figure that out. Correct. 
and you're different here. So you, you, you and I can have this conversation, but I know you. You do not have this view here, right? right? So it's hard for you because you work in this context for you to even envision what I'm talking about. I mean, you have a little bit yeah, of it. but, but you, I've seen it. Yeah, but it's it's just like there's no listening to the freaking team. It's, it's and, and, and even the people we hire, they have to go through a transition because we are traditionally agile as it was defined decades ago. Right. Whereas they've been working in agile, air quotes, where it's been the bad stuff that's out there. And, and they're not expected to rise, and they're not expected, and they've still been beaten down, so they right. don't raise their little heads with ideas. R- right, and, so and it takes time for these folks to adjust to how we run Agile. Even yeah. though we're actually doing Agile and no one else is, it's a different understanding of what Agile could and should be, so they have to kind of say, like, you really are asking me that question and I can answer it and yeah. not be told what the answer should yeah. be? You know, it's those types of things yeah. that we have found that it's a learning curve because of there's so much bad agile that's happening out there. So was original agile dead? And I would say pretty darn close to yes. Um, and we need to, that's what feathers was trying to say is what the hell. And he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, blaming or any, you know, he wasn't this dinosaur looking back, uh, reminiscing. He was like, we're blowing it. We're missing the value. The -hmm. original intent of the stuff ladies and gentlemen, which got everyone excited and drove results. It was about the team stupid. It's about the people stupid. Mm-hmm. It's not about the project managers. It's not about the managers. Uh, now, you play a part. He didn't ask everyone to leave the auditorium. Right. And just, so it was like, you play a part. But it's, it's this, uh, the ratios are off. The focus is off. The balance is off. Now, my counterpoint that Uh-oh. I alluded to is that we haven't even really started yet. So what the heck does that mean? So I'm going to give you an example. So okay. we're a SaaS company. So you, so you here. The dude is a software as a service company. Software okay. as a service is something that's been around for quite a while. The first true SaaS app I built was my second job. So that would have been like 2001. So 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know it was SaaS. No one called it SaaS. We just right. built a software as a service product because we didn't want to manage it right. the old school way. Um but if you look at historical trends, 15 years of a technology, 15 years of something, it hasn't hit its sweet spot yet. So SaaS, the world is overrun with SaaS right software. Now, like yeah. that's, we think we've hit the peak. And historically, if you look at the numbers and the metrics from the financial side to just adoption of technologies, technically the best years of SaaS are still in front of us. So my argument is that Scrum is in that same model. It might be a little bit behind. I know Scrum started in 1993, but from an adoption perspective where it started to hit the mainstream, it's been 15 years, maybe. See, I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think those technology curves apply. So what you're talking about is like SaaS and technology curves. It'd be like object-oriented design. Right. And then patterns, and then patterns were around for a long. So I get it. There's, t- I think there's technical patterns to what you're saying, and maybe there's an evolutionary life scale to those things, a ramp up scale. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if that same thing. So I, I think Scrum. I'm not trying to sound like a gloom and doomer, but I'm going to. I think we're blowing it. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we're blowing the promise of Scrum. 
So I think I'll use I'll use the scaled frameworks as an example. Right. Uh, safe. We were talking before the Medicast, and I was pleading with Josh, "Don't bring up safe, please, God." I didn't bring up safe, and I did. and I did. I can't <laughs> help it. And I didn't want to bring it up because I'm I'm really grumbly about safe lately again, and uh, just because of some experiences I'm having with it. And um, but safe, the, the scaling frameworks are not people centric. Mm-hmm. They're so now we are we're maturing, but we're maturing away from the people. So it's not like the scaling frameworks are going away from the people. Maybe some subcomponents of them. Uh, th- there's some of the scaling frameworks that are maybe like less. Large-scale Scrum is a little bit more team-focused. They talk about component teams and mm-hmm. feature teams. Uh, and they talk about product owners you know, feeding the team as well. So there's some team aspects. But in general, if you look at SAFE, uh, if you look at the you know, the PMI is talking about more certifications. There's more Scrum certifications. So the certifications, I don't think, are the people. They're the the people around the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a certified Scrum master, therefore I can tell you what to do. Right. Or I'm, I'm a manager, but I'm also a certified Scrum master. So now because I have this label, I get it. So I so. I, I view that all as noise and chaff that is eventually going to die off. Uh, I see. I, because it's not going to work. Uh, no, well, I, I think it's not going to work, but I, I think it takes Agile down the, the crapper with it is what I'm I think. And I, I'm saying that we're nearing a point of a rebirth. Oh, like a tipping point. So yeah. there's a, a rebirth tipping point. What the hell makes you think that? I mean, what indicators? I'm not challenging you. It would, it, it would, my heart would flutter. And, and right, my spirit would soar. So, right. so what? What so do you see? There, there, there's a there's a growing movement in a lot of the. I'm going to use the word younger, just because they haven't been around as long. Younger companies that are out there towards openness, transparency, communication, teamwork, things like that. Where there's a slew of tools. Like if you look at Slack, Slack is valued at billions of dollars i don't even know what the number is but their but their central focus is increasing communication across teams making it easier getting email and all that crap out of there we're going to centralize a place for your team to communicate and congregate and work at a global scale atlassian who anybody that listens to this and knows me at all is going to throw out the fanboy thing but they, they, they are focused on building great teams. There's other companies that are out there that I see at the leading edge. That's why I think we're near a rebirth. There's some younger companies that are out there that are are focused on building great teams and building tools to support great teams. And I know tools are just tools, right? No. It's still a mindset, but I think we're still a few years away, but I think there's there's a shift in things that if you look at the most successful young software companies that are out there, they operate in an agile manner. And that's going to, to me, people are going to start to try to model themselves after that. So you think sort of the wave, the, the scrum wave goes away. So the mnemonic scrum, I think is exactly what you defined where stop saying where it's not, it's not, it's not, about that it's solve the problem in an agile manner right and i think all of these companies are doing it that way there's a larger with the um lean startup and everything that's building around that and all those books and approaches that are out there that all the startups that's how they were created 
with so would Spotify. Spotify would be an example right. of this as well, yeah. because they make their. I mean, they they don't get stuck on what agile are we? They get stuck on yeah. Spotify. Right. Well, what do we do? Right. To make things work for us. Right. And they don't talk about, oh, we have a framework. It's not that. Like, this is just how we did it. Someone wrote a paper about it. So now it's the Spotify method. And if you read this stuff, you're like, we don't think we're making a method. We're just solving the problems we had. And somebody started to write about it. So now everybody's starting to copy that. Right. You know, they didn't try and create a framework. Correct. They just solved the problems they had. And they happened to do it with an agile lean. And everybody's like, oh, that's really cool. We should try that. So I think the <clears throat> younger startup-y successful companies that folks that haven't started a company yet, that when they start a company or build a product, are going to model after that. They're going to read the lean startup. They're See, I, read- I just worry about the mass of that, right? How big is that versus the, the mass of this existing stuff, mm-hmm. right? So SAFE is dominating very large companies that aren't going to go away. Right. Right, there's they're still agile enough that they're delivering enough value to survive, right? Yeah. They're they're delivering stuff to their clients, they're getting paid, etc. So I like that vision of the future. I mean I I'm hopeful right. that that would be the wave. I hope there's enough mass there. I hope there's enough energy. I mean one of the things with you know, one of the downsides with Spotify is they're they're, they're not turning it into a framework. Mm-hmm. They're not publicizing it. If it wasn't for a few people, they would be just under the radar. Mm-hmm. So it's how do you get this good stuff, the second wave, how do you publish it enough in the right way so that it influences other people? Mm-hmm. You know, Extreme programming was like that. Uh, as I'm thinking about it, maybe we go back to uh, Kent Beck with Extreme. So the Agile movement actually started with XP mm-hmm. and not Scrum. Even though Scrum was developed earlier, XP was the sexy. In, two th- in 99, 2000, 2001, two, extreme programming was dominating the universe. He never made it a framework. He never made it. He never licensed it. He never certified it. He just, it was a set of, that's the heartbeat of Agile. It's mm-hmm. a set of practices that work. He documented them just right. to share them. And he just threw that out there uh, and and gave guidance. And then people... And I mean, then those practices are resilient today, right? Refactoring, right. pair programming; those are re, those are res, resilient practices in agile. Uh, but he had to do that. That's what I'm saying. So I'm hoping I can see what you're talking about. But someone in that community is going to have. But I think the to key is something. that he didn't. Is that he did it for the right reasons? Correct. And it stuck because he wasn't worried about building a framework or building it into a business. <clears throat> like Spotify, he was trying to do the right thing for the problem. Correct. So that's why I think Spotify and Spotify's that and other things like that, where folks are solving the problem that they have, and they're not trying to turn it into safe to turn it into a money maker. Where as a trainer, I can make a million dollars a year or whatever insanities out there. Um, where they aren't worried about turning into a business, they're worried about this problem that I have and solving it and sharing it. Is that is that if we were to to discuss like the two dimensions. So there's this entrepreneurial spirit of agility, like we're trying to describe it. And then there are the pointed headed project managers and managers who want frameworks. Mm-hmm. And there's tension, there's evolutionary tension between those folks and they work together. Right. So you're, you're not going to build products without the pro, you know, without the pointy headed folks to some degree. And the pointy headed folks can't be successful without the engineers. 
So it's a question of sort of what are those waves? Who has the power, if you will? Right. right. Early on in Agile, it was the pro- it was the programmers. Mm-hmm. It really was, and then it's now it's been shifting. And what you're alluding to, it sort of goes back to engineers, or it goes back. To, it it c- kind of comes back to the teams a little bit. Yeah, the thing that we've stolen from Spotify, among many things, is minimum viable bureaucracy. And the way we define that is, our goal is to have the perfect balance of autonomy and consistency. So we want our agile squads to be as autonomous as possible. But we need to understand and value that consistency across the autonomy yep. enables us to grow and scale that. And if you go too heavy in one direction or the other, bad things will likely start to happen. So as we grow and as we scale, that's something that we're always trying to measure is how much autonomy can we give this group of engineers to solve the problem and just give them a general direction right. and say, here's the problem we have. Go solve it. Um, that's what we want to do. The problem that we that we have to manage is ensure that we have some level of consistency so that is reusable, consumable by all of the other teams. Yep. And the thing that I think you'd find is that, like you said, these are just smart people. They get it. And the thing they want the most is they want the thing they built to get used. Exactly. So they're going to build it in a reusable, consumable way because they get joy and value from seeing what they built get used. That was the simplicity of the people. Is Again, there's this nice, it's sort of like the percentages were right. You had leadership, but at the right level. Mm-hmm. You had process, but at the right level. But the lead, but the leadership was, and the honor was at the team level. Technology, trust. There was trust at a team level. Mm-hmm. Trust of uh, not perfection, but trust of good good architecture, good design, giving folks good time. intentions, good intentions, right? Good estimates. Like the, I, I remember in the XP days, I rarely, I, I mean, I just took estimates for the first time in my life, and it's like, okay, I can trust what these people are right. saying, and then and then work with them from that point of view. Okay, now it's it's ten. Po- it's this right now. How do I factor that into a game plan to deliver something right from a planning point of view, to deliver something holistically to a client? Yeah, there's so much churn in or in organizations without trust, where people are trying to validate that what you're doing isn't trying to take the short route or cheat or do whatever. When you finally let go and trust, it's amazing how much little time you waste around stupid stuff like that. I, I mean, just yesterday at a client, I was looking at a Slack discussion. There were two, just two comments. Someone had a comment uh, about doing, I'm trying to capture what he said. Um, he, he, there was a, this is multi scrum teams. And he's like one scrum team noticed that they paused and they fixed all bugs and it allowed them to go faster. Mm-hmm. And he had this evidence, and this is within the company. And he put that out on the Slack channel of maybe we should, maybe more of our team should do this. So read that of fixing bugs, handling technical debt, pausing, mm-hmm. and allowing us to cl- you know clean the room up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, another developer responded back, and they'd been they'd been programmed, right? And it was like, oh well, there's no way we'll miss our dates and we'll miss our features. Uh, there's no way in the real world we can do that. And it broke my heart to see this developer. The develop that developer was no longer 
what I would call an agile developer. That developer had been programmed by what the the management police and mm-hmm. the product owner police. Uh, the first one was right. I don't. I'm not saying out of 50 scrum teams, everyone needs to stop the presses, but they need to stop and listen. Right. 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 They need to. St- every one of those teams needs to look at their house, and they should. Cons- every one of them should consider the option of cleaning up our room. Right. You know what I'm saying. And, and honoring that. Mm-hmm. that that is a fair comment from that's the team crying out and saying we need to clean our room yeah. and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be sort of you know sort of overridden by management speaking and this wasn't even a manager this mm-hmm. was this was this was a developer saying that but i think to your point it was almost brainwashed by yeah. everything they've been through and we always talk about the baggage people bring with them yep. from other places they've been and how they operated and i've wrestled with that before as i've transitioned companies I can remember I left Teradata and went to a startup. And I remember like smacking myself in the head because I caught myself operating like I was at Teradata, a $1.7 billion corporation where there's seven levels. And it was just me and the CEO. And I was like, wait a minute. You own all of technology. You can make the decision. You can make that decision. And I I actually responded in the Slack channel. I'm not sure what's going to happen. And I'm not a Slack guy. This is like... This is new technology for me. Go ahead and smirk. It's just IRC. You yeah. did IRC back in the day, <laughs> yeah, right? Yes. There you go. But uh, I, w- I was like, I want to hear. I want. I want to hear these discussions, mm-hmm. right? I want that empowered. I want empowered teams. And I'm a manager type. I'm a scrum master type, a mm-hmm. coach type. But what I'm looking for, I want. I want those. You know, those sort of tense discussions around quality versus features, mm-hmm. or whatever you, however you want to phrase it, the dimensions. We need to be having those discussions, right. not just having them. And we can't just so medica- You can't just ignore. Don't ignore the team. Oh, they don't know. They don't have a business. They haven't visited a client. Bull. I'm bull. They 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 have innate understanding of what's going on. We need to start honoring the team a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So you gave me some hope. So I think agile is agile's in the emergent. From my point of view, agile's in the emergency room. It's not under life support, but it's it's at a it's at maybe you at a pivot. Yeah, it's at a flexion point, uh, and we have to see how it unfolds going forward. And you gave me hope with sort of these entrepreneur, you know, the startup mentality, which is all about teams, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about technology. Yeah, there, there there are companies built around enabling teams. Yeah, focused on teams, whatever kind of team it is. Teams, how do we help teams operate better? Well, I, I'm having a call today with a guy at 2 o'clock. Just to, the, the guy's a CEO of a company that makes a uh, retrospective tool. Mm-hmm. And we're just chatting about his retrospective tool. So he's this is an example of that. His tool, right. I mean, a retrospective tool, what's, what's its purpose in life? <laughs> its whole right. purpose in life is how do I make teams better? But the fact that those are viable companies. Yeah. And they found that there is business in supporting teams. Yeah. I think that's what gives me hope that we're yeah. at a rebirth point. I, ho- I hope so. Where, you know, it's the Phoenix moment, right? That that maybe it's come crashing down. We've been overburdened with silly certifications and frameworks and everybody trying to dip their hand in the honey pot. But the root of what it was about, I think, is there. And I think these companies that again that are viable businesses that investors are investing in because they see the value they see yep. the business that i think there's hope so i want to measure for I, I have an idea uh and maybe we 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 end the metacast with this what if what if our metric 
is organizations that look at more code. So I'm going back to my Michael Feathers moment. So, and he was saying in in uh, sprint reviews, mm-hmm. you know, where you would normally show a feature or a retrospective or a meeting or a planning session, instead of showing burn down charts. So he's not anti burn down, anti planning, anti task, anti story, mm-hmm. but equal to them is looking at code, and everyone in the room starts to sort of go, ah, let's look at some code. And half the half the group doesn't run out the door, right? So we have to get back to that genesis of code is good. Mm-hmm. Code is the code is the value proposition, right? Looking at it, touching it, running it, mm-hmm. testing it. But I mean, literally testing it on a screen. Right. Uh, what do you think? Could that be one of our metrics? Is we move from wherever we're at now to more of a code is good model in addition to everything else, and everyone honors the code? Would you buy that as sort of a metric? A little bit. I'm not sure how you measure that. You just measure the, the, the number of you know slides to code ratio. I, I'm not looking for a precise. <laughs> right, yeah, okay. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and again, I want 10 slides. I don't want 90% code, mm-hmm. but we're afraid. Maybe, yeah. maybe the measure, we start looking. Again, I go back to, X, I remember demos, Josh, where we would fire a debugger up. This was a channel advisor circa 2005. And we had, we didn't have UIs, and we would be like doing the demo with debuggers, looking at packets and buffers. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And saying, "Ah, oh, this works." And we had the CEO. Now, arguably, the CEO in that case had a computer science degree, and this wasn't the normal demo. Mm-hmm. But we weren't afraid right. of demoing technology, right. and and we weren't afraid of saying of applauding and saying, "Damn it, I get what you just did." And that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Now let's glue something onto it so I can see right. something else. I, I mean, we, the room got it, uh, and I think we've lost that. So I'm just—I'm not trying to end. I'm just no. I, I'm I get a that. vision that, for how do we how do we start? What do we rally on? Yeah. What do we hang our hat on to see if this trend to turn the corner? Yeah, that, that's that's something that we've wrestled with here, and my stance has been. We are a software company. We should never be ashamed to show API code exactly. running in exactly. something. It's exactly. Like, it's okay. That's who we are. That's exactly. And it may not be 100%. Right. It's not the whole goal, right? We have to communicate to other people. Right. But not afraid. Not afraid to show it. Right. And in, not forget afraid. It's the same thing. We, we have the same view of it as we do of anything else that we show, right? It has value. Right. The thing I've been trying to push is... This is what we're selling. Exactly. We should be intimately comfortable yeah, exactly. with the code because exactly. this is the business. Yeah. And that's the trend. So, and again, you're an you're ahead right. of the curve example here, but that's an example of the curve. Um, cool. Can, yeah. I, can I make a suggestion for a follow-up Metacast? Maybe the sure. next one? Bob. Could If we have the time, could you and I look at grows, uh, the grows okay. method that Andy is – Suggesting mm-hmm. It's in its infancy, but I think it actually, I don't know for sure, but I think it might link around what we're talking about. Okay. Let's go take a cursory look. Okay. And then talk about our reactions to grows in the next cool. Medicaid related to this one. So connect the dots back to this one. Okay. Can this regrow agile? Exactly. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It just scares me. <laughs> so, Metacasters, we'll stick a fork in this one. We hope you had some... We hope we've fostered some ideas. And, again, give us, around this topic, react. Tell us we're full of it. Tell us you agree. 
uh, give us met whatever, react to metrics, react to anything. Um, but I think I think our our instincts are right. So if you have reactions, we'll take any of them. But anything that has ideas around what can we do about it, we would particularly be attracted to. What can we do about it, Josh and I, or ideas around suggestions, articles, or whatnot? All right. So we really want your feedback. How would they? How do people give us their feedback, Josh? So best places are on our website. Leave a comment. Start a discussion. Oh, yeah. Please. Collaborate. We want that. On Twitter, always a good place for that to happen. Um, we even have a subreddit. I should probably reinvigorate that and try what? and get people going. It's okay, Bob. So I didn't even understand what the hell you said. <laughs> that was like jib- we have a sub gibberish gibber. Yeah, gibber gibber. Yeah. yeah. So we have that. Um, so yeah, reach out to us. You found us with something that helps us. Leave uh, comments, feedback that helps us get found by more and more people. That's all, again, all we want to do is help more folks. So help us help everyone else. Cool. So stay agile, everyone. And from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.